what you do in a B-movie. The end is a little bit ridiculous. I was unsurprised to see that. And it's sweet! Oh my gosh, you guys need to go watch it. It's so good. It's so good. I want to watch it again. travelers and welcome once again to the in-between show yeah so in order to accommodate um sort of film release schedules uh because i know you guys are dying to hear us talk about the ratchet and clank movie yeah i played that video game when i was a kid i played part of one of them <laughs> and that's and about it yep. yeah <laughs> But, so, that's about the only thing coming out this week, and we don't really have a vested nope. interest in talking about it. So, we are doing this to, I don't want to say kill time, because it sounds like we're wasting people's time, but... We're not wasting your time. No, but we're, we're doing we? this into just sort of have content for you guys while we wait for The Jungle Book to yeah. come out, which I think looks sweet. Spoiler alert for the next episode. Yeah. Yeah. So... This is going to be kind of a looser episode. It's not going to be as structured. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just going to... We have kind of a loose idea of what we want to do, but if it goes where it goes, <laughs> then it goes where it goes is kind of how, how I think we should approach this. Yes, no uh, no plan is promised in this episode. Yes, except we are going to talk about movies. Yeah. So I'm just going to be like, hey, how was your week, Corey? <laughs> I don't know. Let's talk about cats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I, I would do because I love cats. You do love yeah. cats. Yeah. That's true. So. And cats love you. You are a cat whisperer of sorts. Yeah, there's a cat that lives in your apartment complex that I see every week when I come over here to record. Oh, is it the one who looks like Grumpy Cat? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I like that cat. Yeah. It's pretty chill. It just like hangs out. Yep. Yep. Anyway, this is not... <laughs> this is not <laughs> podcast. To get back to our point, we're not talking about cats. Films. Films. So. Podcasts. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this episode, like I said, we're... Just kind of waiting for for Jungle Book to come out, so this is a little bit looser. We're treading water, so to speak. Yeah, a little (laughs) bit, uh, but we wanted to give you guys something to listen to this week. So this is kind of the secret origins of of the before and after show, and and sort of, uh, I'm going to give my story about where... I come from and and how I ended up here and Corey, you're going to give yours and then we're going to talk about film criticism as a whole. Yes. Uh, especially, I guess, kind of right now, almost <laughs> the State of the Union, because I feel like we uh, we need it. We got a little, little bit into it in the last episode, but man, yeah. <laughs> it is not getting any better. Uh, so I have been an avid film watcher my whole life. I remember as a kid always knowing the dates that the movies were coming out and just kind of falling in love with movies very early on. Mm-hmm. And as I got older, uh, that didn't stop. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, when I got into, into high school and uh, got the internet, I was not so virtuous with yeah. <laughs> my, um, with, with my downloads. And it was really, I partially because of ignorance. And then mm-hmm. after I was not as ignorant, partially because <laughs> wasn't hurting anyone. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought, um, you know, and so from high school on, it was just kind of 
you know, this is this is the sort of dubious nature of piracy in yes. that <laughs> I don't think I would have been able to see a lot of the movies that shaped me had I not pirated I them. <laughs> uh, however, I own most of those movies now because yes. I realize, oh, if oh. this is an industry I want to work in, it should probably exist. Yes. So, you know, there's that. But, but you know... Um, as a as a, as a budding film buff who kind of just was learning how the internet worked, you start hearing about all these essential movies, mm-hmm. and uh, it tends to be kind of the the same like Alien. The big three for me were Alien, Pulp Fiction, and Monty Python and the Holy Grail. No Godfather, no Citizen Kane. No, no. those actually came later because <laughs> the internet was a bunch of '90s kids. Oh yeah, that's true. Like a bunch of nerdy 90s guys, right? Terminator 2 was on that list, right? I had seen Terminator 2 at that point. Okay. So, (laughs) kind of... Oh, Die Hard was another big one for me. Okay, yeah. So, you know, it was was those four, really, that you Mm kind of, as a nerdy kid on the internet, looking at where the nerdy adults were. Yeah. Those were sort of the four that were popular around the time. And... You know, it was kind of a bunch of Matrix-loving white guys. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the demographic. And so I those were the big four that I downloaded. And I watched them all. And each one blew my mind a little bit more than the last one did. Just because I had never really known movies could be those things. Yeah. Um, I didn't lead a sheltered existence. My parents... You know, they tried to keep me away from more R-rated content until I was a little bit older, until I was about 16. Yeah. Uh, maybe 15. And, uh, but they were never, like, voracious pop culture fiends. Yeah. And no one else in my family really was either. I don't know where this comes from in me. <laughs> uh, my dad is a musician, so that might, like, at one time he was a pop culture guy, but he was more yeah. music than movies. Yeah. So I don't know where the movie thing came from. Maybe it's because I was an only child and, like, <laughs> I felt like I was spending time. I, I'm not an only child. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just have a, a, a brother and a sister who are much older than so me. So they were at, they were gone. Yes. They when had you were basically moved out of the house yeah. by the time I was, I, I, I was, sentient enough to interact yeah. <laughs> with them and uh, so there was always i guess something kind of comforting in it mm-hmm. um maybe you know the lion king was my first favorite movie yeah and i watched that movie so many times gosh i watched that movie <laughs> so many it's a times. good movie yes yes it is gosh i love that movie but you know so so it's not like my parents you know my mom let me watch the shining on tv when i was eight yeah um and uh, uh, you know, it wasn't the, it wasn't the unedited version. She <laughs> wasn't an idiot. Uh, I was too young to have seen it just cause I didn't really understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, although I was like, I guess I like that. But those four movies, Pulp Fiction, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, Alien and Die Hard are kind of the perfect summation of those types of movies. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I had always, I, I, in using the internet, Tarantino's name came up a lot and it yeah. was right around the time Kill Bill had come out and I was like that movie looks stupid and I had <laughs> friends who had gone to see it and they were like no this movie was so good and I was like I don't understand the movie looks stupid and it's because I didn't know who Quentin Tarantino was or yeah. what his thing mm-hmm. was and so Pulp Fiction was the one that started off and I like I that movie wrecked my brain like 
Um, it was, you know, there's a reason it's every 16 year old's favorite movie. Yeah. <laughs> and it just like, if, if you see that movie when you're like 16 years old, it just, it hits you with a perfect time in your life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of why Tarantino is a little evergreen because there's always new 16 year olds and that's really his demographic. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so, so he's usually the first intro to a lot of like obscure weird cinema yeah. for a lot of like budding film buffs like myself. Mm-hmm. Then came Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I yeah. was never like, I never really had access to British stuff. It was my first <laughs> experiment experience with like British comedy. Yeah. Um, I, I grew up loving comedy. My dad did let me listen to George Carlin records when i was too young to be listening to george carlin records however it's made me a voracious stand-up comedy fan and i appreciate that so much and i I grew up loving snl and and kind of sketch comedy but Mm -hmm. didn't really know much about the monty python troupe yeah Uh, you know i just knew that there was this movie called monty python and the holy grail i watched that and that movie really blew like i could not believe (laughs) comedy could be that yeah um then it was Alien. Uh, you know, it was everyone knows Alien. Uh, mm-hmm. Even before the internet, I had heard of Alien. But I, just watching it, I just remember just that was the first like just so tense movie I'd ever seen. You're like, get me out of here. Yeah, and like really claustrophobic. And you, I, I obviously didn't have the words to express at the time, but I yeah. was just like, man, that was so good. And then Die Hard is just a perfect action movie. Yeah. You know, uh, there's n- not much to be said about Die Hard that hasn't already been said. It's just perfect on every level. Mm-hmm. It's a true, I think it's a truly <laughs> perfect movie. And, you know, that movie, it was, it's, it's pure, it's action in its purest form. Mm-hmm. And that movie was just like, oh man, this is what action movies can be. Like, why isn't every action movie this? <laughs> and, uh, you know, so, so those four hit me when I was between the ages of 15 and 17. And that just exploded yeah. my interest in cinema. Like, <laughs> I, I couldn't get enough. And, uh, you know, I started watching everything. I, I graduated high school at that point. I was going to the movies every weekend because mm-hmm. I was working at a video store. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. And a bunch of people were like, you should start writing reviews. I always talk to you about movies and I always respect what you have to say. And I was like, eh, I don't know if I want to do that. Why were you hesitant? That's a good question. Um, I think part of it is I didn't film critic from film criticism seemed very far removed at the time mm-hmm. we didn't have youtube yeah uh, myspace was just kind of taking off so there wasn't <laughs> MySpace, man. there wasn't like a a true social network yet you know yeah. and the internet wasn't baby but it was it was still fledgling yeah it was it was i guess kind of a- adolescent like this weird growing period between years maybe. yeah 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 um so that's kind of why I was hesitant. You know, the film critics I knew were all the professionals. Siskel, Ebert, uh, yeah. Richard Roper. Those were film critics. What am I going to, like, I'm a, what is this 18-year-old yeah, going to talk about? Yeah, what can I bring to the, yeah. Yeah, and then I started seeing some other people around the internet. I don't remember who really. Um, one of them was JoeBlow.com. Uh, it's a site I go to daily. It's a site I've mm-hmm. gone to daily for 10 or 11 years now. Wow. They really... Um, they're they're my main source for movie news. They're a little broy, a little frat housey, <laughs> uh, which you know isn't necessarily my bag. And so, two of their writers now are the worst film writers <clears throat> I've ever read. Oh, but they uh, they very much live up to their name in that 
they have this very everyman style about mm-hmm. the way they write. You know, all of their film critics feel like guys you could hang out with. Yeah. And that was my first introduction to that, that this kind of new wave of internet film criticism. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, oh, I can do this. I yeah. can do what these guys are doing. And so I started a blog and over at Blogspot. Yeah. Yep. And uh, did that for about three years. I originally started posting news, but that was exhausting. And just kind of started writing reviews mm-hmm. on um, on that. No, I started writing reviews on my personal MySpace page. Then I ported it over to a blog. Uh, I don't remember the first review I wrote, but Ghost Rider with Nicolas Cage was in there. Oh. And I gave it a positive review because I still didn't know anything. Um, I have to re-revisit that review. Yes. That's the first one that really I remember, remember, remember. But I don't think that was the first one I wrote. Um... Yeah, so then that transported to the blog, and I started writing reviews regularly there. I've been writing reviews on and off for about 11 years now. Um, wow. Yeah, uh, you wouldn't know it <laughs> um, based on my, my internet footprint. You wouldn't know it. And then came my first full-time job. And that first full-time job is with a company that I'm still with, and... We, one of the, the things that I thought was a huge perk at the time was you got to put your headphones in and listen to music all day. Yeah. 40 hours of music a week gets real boring. Yes, it does. And my friend who got me the job told me about these things called podcasts. <laughs> I had heard about podcasts at the job I left uh, to go to this full-time job. Yeah. And the job I left was at Blockbuster Video. So my first job was at Hollywood Video. My third job was at Blockbuster Video. Were you leaving Blockbuster because they were closing down? (laughs) I was leaving Blockbuster for this full-time job. So it was partially because they were closing down and partially because... You left at the right time. Yes, I did. I got out right before that crashed and burned, actually. (laughs) Um and my manager went to go see a live Nerdist podcast. Oh, wow. Little did he know that that would become one of his major influences later. Uh, my manager was like, yeah, I'm going to L.A. to see this podcast. And I was like, the hell is a podcast? <laughs> uh, and she was like, Chris Hardwick. And I was like, I have no idea who that is. Like who? Yeah. And she was like, the Nerdist? Nope. I got nothing. I have no idea who you're talking about. <laughs> and uh, so I I start this full-time gig. My friend who got me the job tells me about this podcast she listens to called The Nerdist. And I go, oh, my old manager at Blockbuster went to see that live. And she was like, oh, yeah, that was with Craig Ferguson and Adam Savage, I think. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And I'd talk about that was the second major revolution in my life was, you know, those four films when I was a teenager. And then The Nerdist podcast. And Kevin Smith's Smodcast mm-hmm. uh, really, 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 really opened up doors for me. Um, it is my main form of entertainment now, uh, mm-hmm. even above movies, because I can listen to them in my car. I listen to them at work all day. Mm-hmm. I just devoured podcasts. <sighs> and eventually it got to a point where I listened to so many that I was just like, maybe delusionally, I can do this. I know I can do this. <laughs> And so it took two years. I was going to school 
and I'm not the best in a classroom setting. I was getting really frustrated with that. I was going to get a degree in film journalism Mm -hmm. and criticism, and I couldn't, I couldn't really get all my credits together. I couldn't really uh, pass all the classes I needed to, which I hated because it was a lot of classes that I didn't need. It was a lot of my gen ed stuff. Unrelated stuff. Yeah, like math stuff. um, You know, statistics was a thing, and like, I'm terrible at it. Uh, You know, and I just was getting really frustrated. Yeah. And I quit my, I I dropped out of college, which, you know, uh, we'll see how that goes, (laughs) I guess. Uh, it's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I've true. been I've been uh, lucky in that you know I I have a steady full time job mm-hmm. uh, that pays me pretty good for not having a college degree, and that's not going to be the case everywhere. Um, yeah. You know, colleges for some people, colleges not for some people, and I don't think it's for me. Yeah. But I said I made this deal with myself where if I leave, I have to start a podcast. Fast forward two full years (laughs) after that. And it was always this thing that was percolating in the back of my mind, but I never had a good enough conceit for one. Yeah. I never really could nail down a format that I liked because at this point, podcasts were, I don't want to say ubiquitous because most people still don't know what a podcast is. Yes. (sighs) But at this point, podcasts were more popular than they certainly were when I started listening to them. Mm -hmm. And... Because I started listening to them about 2010. This is about 2013 when this happened. Yeah. I never could nail down, like, a format that that uh, really would bring in listeners. You know, if I just talked about a movie a week. Yeah. Everywhere does that. Yes. So I was thinking, well, what can it be? What can it be? What can it be? And I noticed a lot of my conversations came back to one common theme. When I was talking with my friends about movies, it was expectations versus yeah. reality. Um, you know, kind of the the scene in 500 Days of Summer. I don't know if you've seen that movie. Mm-mm. It's after they break up and she invites him to a party and they do a split screen of his expectations of how the party is going to go down next to the reality oh, okay. of what actually happens. <laughs> and so there's the left pane says expectations on the bottom, the right pane says reality, <laughs> and they are wildly different. Yeah. And that wasn't the, you know, that movie came out in, I think, 2010, mm-hmm. 2009. And, you know, that wasn't necessarily the thing that, like, kicked it off and it was just, like, this light bulb moment. Yeah. But I noticed that a lot of the times I talked about what my expectations were and how that affected my viewing experience while I was sitting there taking this movie in. Yeah. And that's when it clicked with me, like, expectations are the basis for every every reaction you have to a piece of cinema, mm-hmm. to any piece of art. You yeah. Know? Um, perfect example. <laughs> have you ever been to uh, Italy and seen the Mona Lisa? No. Neither have I. But I've talked to several people who have, and they're always disappointed by it. Oh. The biggest thing is it's much smaller than you think it is. So, it's these people who have these grand expectations for arguably the most famous painting in, in, the world. in the world. Yes. And they go to see it and they're like, oh, that's it. 
mm-hmm. you know, expectations versus reality. Yeah. So you have, like, with any piece of art, and because it's marketed to us, movies are. Yeah. You always have these expectations for it going into it, right? Yep. You know, we always lean over to each other when we're in the movies and go, oh, that looks good, that looks bad after yep. a trailer. Yep. And so that's your base, like, that's your most visceral reaction is your expectation, whether you know it or not. And I decided, let's base a show around that. Let's base this show around what are the expectations that we have going into this movie. Mm-hmm. And then let's let's talk about, after we see the movie, what, what did work? What did live up to our expectations? What yeah. didn't? How did that affect the way we viewed this movie? Mm-hmm. And that's the start of the before and after show. And I started it thinking... Um, I'm going to do older movies that I haven't seen yeah, or maybe movies that I can give a second chance to. The first episode is Fight Club. You can find it on the SoundCloud page. It's terrible. Go listen to it. It's five minutes long. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm recording on a crappy uh, headset mic <laughs> and that I got to communicate with a long distance girlfriend. Uh, that's the only reason I had that headset so we could Skype. And that event, that purchase <laughs> led to this podcast existing. <laughs> That relationship has since ended, and I am happily married. Yes. Um, but that that purchase has lived on and brought us to this point. And, you know, Fight Club was a movie that I bought at a used bookstore for $1.99, but I hated. And my wife, or girlfriend at the time, but my future wife, really didn't understand that purchase of, why, why did you buy this movie? And really didn't understand the logic that it was only $2. But it sat in my room staring at me for so long that Mm -hmm. that's what eventually kicked it off. Was just seeing Fight Club just sitting on the floor of my bedroom. Mocking you. Yeah. (laughs) And going, you know, I do need to revisit this. I do need to revisit this. And then realizing, oh, if I build this show around my expectations versus the reality of when I watch it, then I might have something. So yeah. I recorded the first Fight Club episode, said my before, mentioned that I had seen about 20 minutes of it in the past and had turned it off because I was bored. Went back, watched the movie at midnight on a Saturday. It was almost three hours long. So oh. <laughs> at 2, 2 a.m., uh, 2.45 2 a.m. Yeah. that night, uh, you know, I had had my first complete Fight Club experience and I think that was, even though I don't like that first set of episodes because they're, you know, they're awkward and they're weird. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I hated my voice at the time. I've gotten used to it now. But I think that was the perfect movie to kick off the podcast because there's so much of that movie that I had misread simply by, one, the fan base that that yeah. movie has, <laughs> and two, the way it's talked about and, mar- and has been marketed. Mm-hmm. And there was so much that I had misread about it, but there was so much that I hadn't. And so it was this kind of perfect 50-50 split where, like, the things I didn't think I was going to like, I really didn't like. Yeah. But the things that, like, had had been lost on me because I was too young when I watched it the first time and had been lost on me because I hadn't seen the movie as a whole experience before. Yeah. Really, really did work. And I understood a little bit better the love for the movie. I don't necessarily get all of it or the, the rabidness yeah. of its fan base, <laughs> especially because its fan base is the people that, that movie is making fun of. Yeah. But I, it was, it was perfect for it to click in my brain that I could build something around that. Yeah. So, you know, uh, 
for Christmas and and I had started to kind of build the podcast a little bit more, got my footing. Mm-hmm. It all kind of culminated with uh, the interview, which is weird. Another weird little podcast oh, yeah. history blip. Um, the interview was this movie with Seth Rogen and James Franco where they go to uh, kill Kim Jong-un. Yes. And it came <laughs> out Christmas of 2014. And they had decided to... There was this big hacking event at Sony mm-hmm. Pictures. And they decided to pull the movie from general release. Yes. Well, I hated that. I hated <laughs> everything about that. I recorded the first in-between show. Yeah. But I also was preparing to have my very first guest on the podcast, and that was uh, the woman who actually was my best lady at my wedding, Mm -hmm. uh, Emily Barber, a very good friend of mine. Uh, We go way back. Yay. And uh, she and I were going to do, I don't even remember what movie we were going to do. The Great Dictator. Well, that was so... Oh, we, that we was... were going to do a different movie. Oh, okay. But as a response, we were talking about other controversial movies about world leaders, and yeah. The Great Dictator came out, and that was a movie I bought about a year and a half before, and we decided to do that. And we recorded that on her crappy onboard mic on her MacBook. Mm-hmm. Um, I was unable to get it together in time because it was the week of Christmas, and they had decided to actually release the interview in whichever theaters wanted to show it. And one of our local theaters decided to show it, and so we went to see it. Oh, okay. Uh, Kristen and I went to see it, Mm -hmm. not Emily and I. And for Christmas that year, uh, my wife, uh, girlfriend at the time, Mm -hmm. fiance at the time. Fiance at the time. Yes. Yes, we got engaged September 2014. My fiance got me the mic we are recording on right now, and that opened up all the doors. (laughs) That opened up really what this podcast has become. Um, it evolved. Yes. It, and, and it, you know, it's it's not a headset mic. We're not on a headset no. mic. <laughs> We're on a multi-directional mic that has really good sound quality. Yes. And, um, yeah, so from there, we... You started to have guests on the show. I, yes. From there, we started to have guests. Uh, Emily Barber was our first guest. Had a few more people on, kind of was doing solo shows uh, here and there. And March of 2015, I had a big round table with, I uh, hope I'm naming all the correct people in this, Slade, Michael, Matthew, and Robert. Uh, the rest of my wedding party, basically, <laughs> sans one guy named Steven. Uh, and we did a Fast and Furious retrospective, and I love those movies. They're one of my favorite franchises of all time. Mm-hmm. They're great. We did this big lead-up to Furious 7, and <laughs> we recorded it, did the before and after show. It was this huge deal. I uploaded it to SoundCloud, and because of how I tagged it, a bunch of piracy sites <laughs> picked it up as the ending theme song from the movie, the Wiz Khalifa song. And put it up as a download of that song because I had tagged it hashtag one last ride. Yeah. And uh, that's not the name of that song. <gasps> that's just the name of that song that everyone assigned to it. Oh. So everyone <laughs> was looking up the one last ride song, even though it's not the name of the song. Yeah. And that show got 2,000 plus downloads. <laughs> 
And it was at that point that I didn't realize what had gone on at the time. Yeah. So it was at that point where I was like, holy crap, what happened? Yeah. And I was like, you know, I gotta do movies that people have heard of. Yep. Uh, because I had done Amelie and uh, The Sting. And Lawrence of Arabia. And Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> And, you know, which are all great yeah. movies, but it's just, it doesn't bring in a listener base. And so that summer was the before and after show, summer blockbuster extravaganza. We did, uh, we started with the Avengers Age of Ultron. And uh, that summer was the first time you came on, Corey. Yes. Well, uh, for, we had the uh, New York, New York episode. Oh, but that's that was, right. That was... That's right. The first time you were on was for uh, New York, New York, which yes. is not a very popular episode, understandably, because who has heard of that movie? Nobody. Yes. Uh, even you... though it's by one of the greatest directors of his generation, Martin Scorsese, no one's heard of that you movie. You sent me all the it. list of movies, and you're like, Corey, of anything you could choose, I did not expect you to choose that movie. Yep. And that's when I learned out you were a big jazz fan. Yep. And that's when we uh, got music on the show. Yes, and Corey, you wrote the music for the show. Um, so that was another like little blip in the in the podcast history. And so you came on during the summer blockbuster yes. thing for personally my favorite set of episodes we have ever done. <laughs> Those were quite fun. And that was for <laughs> Jurassic World. And uh, you, oh man, I had so much fun recording I, I didn't realize how much, like, just pure hatred you had for this film coming up. It's like, <laughs> I'm glad I chose it, but I, I didn't know that at all. Yeah. Completely, like... Yeah, so a few months go by, and I am booking guests in and out, um, and talking to them, and then Sinertain Drive-In, uh, someone we've partnered with yeah, uh, on the regular, uh, had their before... Back to the Future. They're not their before and after <laughs> the show night. Um, the, they're Back to the Future night, which was on Back to the Future Day. And they invited us to go do a live podcast out mm-hmm. there. And Corey, you came with me. I did. And we recorded and talked about Back to the Future and talked to some people. And that was a super fun episode. Yeah, that was very fun. I really, really enjoyed that. Um, and from that point on, I asked you to be the co-host. Yeah. And here you are. And here I am. Yep. And so we've been doing this for a while. Uh, yeah. It's almost six months or just over six months. I think so. Together. Uh, the show's been around for almost a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. And here we are. And if you heard that story before or you lived part of it with me, I'm sorry. Uh, that was long <laughs> and boring. But there you go. So that's that's kind of the, the, the a brief history of the Before and After Show yes. podcast. Um, Corey, you... You have a, a different path. As, yes, I do have a different path. As you are not me. So what is what? how did you end up in this crazy podcast business besides the fact that I asked you? Well, I'm glad you asked me because it is so fun. And it is so fun. Man, I love it. Um, I feel like after that, that was like a very rich and storied like explanation. I feel like mine's just going to be like a stream of consciousness, like vomit. <laughs> okay, that's um, how I felt about mine. So. No, I, I thought it was very well done. But um, I, I guess like going back, like just even all the you know you said these movies were like cornerstones for you, and they were big like changing experiences. I feel like. I didn't necessarily, like, have that. I mean, I grew up, like, not really, not, like, sheltered, you know. Um, but my my big thing was always, like, I was more apt to play video games and to watch movies. It's not like I was averse to movies, but mm-hmm. I preferred to play video games. Um, 
So, I mean, I grew up, like, watching a lot of those movies that now, like, kind of in retrospect, I'm like, I'm glad I saw those and how they impacted me. So movies like, you know, Jurassic Park, for mm -hmm. example, or, you know, like Jaws when I was a little bit older, or... Um, Duel. Duel, yes. <laughs> Unexpectedly, uh, Duel, which traumatized me a little bit. But, um, but a lot of those films, and just, like, you know, a lot of the... I remember you know, Saturday afternoons a lot where, like, this stuff would be on TV. Just a lot of those, like, kind of, a lot of action, thriller, comedy movies I'd see. So stuff like Speed or stuff like mm -hmm. Beverly Hills Cop or Doc Hollywood or, like, Rush Hour or all, the, all those types of films. So it's like I kind of, like, by osmosis because my parents like to watch a lot of the movies, I would see a lot of that. My mom's really into sci-fi, so, like, you know, original Planet of the Apes and Star okay. Trek and so stuff like that. So... I was exposed to that. My mom's a huge Star Wars fan, so always watch Star Wars, like, as long as I can remember. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, films like that, or, like, The Wizard of Oz, I remember, like, watching that from a very young age. So, it's like, I had some... That paid off for you later. It With did. your wife. With my... <laughs> Hannah's like, uh, no more Wizard of Oz jokes. <laughs> yeah. Fun fact, I used to live in Kansas audience, if you didn't know. Married someone who played Dorothy in the musical. Anyway, um, I had never put that together till you mentioned it right this second. <laughs> but yes, that is our life story. Anyway, um, so like all that to say, like I feel like I had seen a lot of movies, but I wasn't really looking at them in like a critical eye, not really understanding. And I feel like there's a certain point, like when you're growing up, you don't, you just don't have a critical sense of anything. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that in like a derogatory way you just don't have like maybe a refined palette yet for taking that sort of stuff and it kind of comes with age i mean like i love music but i listen to some not good music i understand <laughs> i'm just I, like who was your first favorite band because no one has a good first favorite band i i think i really got into lincoln park at first oh mine's just as bad <laughs> creed Ooh, creed was my first favorite band uh, wow okay no bueno. Anyway, all that to say, I feel like <laughs> the palette for, uh, you know, kind of criticism and the aesthetics of things, it's not, you're not fully developed. So all that to say, I'd seen lots of movies, you know, I'd enjoy them, like whatever. I don't know. I mean, there's probably some movies where I was just like, I really hated that movie or I didn't enjoy it, but I wasn't like consciously thinking like, this is really good because of all these reasons, and this mm. movie was terrible because of all of these reasons. Wasn't really thinking like that. So, I do have a movie, like, when I think back of, like, was there anything that was, like, crucial, like, you talked about seeing all those different films, you know, and I'd seen some of those, like, you know, Monty Python, The Holy Grail, or, you know, Blues Brothers, or things like that, but... One of them that, like, sticks out to me, and you're probably going to be like, uh, because I know you're not a fan of that movie, is I was, like, a senior in high school, I think, and I was hanging out with, like, this group of people, and it was, like, they're, like, the cool group of people, and I somehow was hanging out with them, like, by <laughs> peripheral something. I don't know. Um, but they were like, let's watch a movie, and so I ended up, like, going over to somebody's house, like, people I didn't really know, and, like, we're downstairs in the basement, we're gonna watch this movie, and they, like, proceed to pull out this movie called Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind. I'm like, oh. mm -hmm. and I'm like, what? Am I in the wrong place? Like, I need to, like, what's going on? So anyway, I'd never heard of this film, they put it in, and I need to go back and, like, watch this movie. It's been on my docket to go watch it again, mm -hmm. but it's one of those movies where it's, like, I had this experience of, like, I was very aware that I was watching a movie. And I feel like, 
it's one of those things where it's like, I feel like the writing is very tight in that movie and just the way of storytelling is so different, but I was still very aware that I was watching a film mm. and it just, it just had this impression on me of like, wow, a movie can do this thing that kind of like transcends just entertainment or just kind of like it's something on in the background. And it's like, and you know, it's like, I love, I watch Disney movies and all those other types of movies growing up, but this was like, and I don't know if it was just because of, like, the people I was with. I didn't really know them or whatever. But just, I remember watching that movie and being like, what the heck is this? And being just, like, very, I don't know, I guess just kind of entranced in, like, the storytelling. There's a lot of, like, really cool visual stuff, like cinematography that they do in that film. Mm -hmm. That just was, like, I don't think, maybe just because it was so different, I'd never, like, stop to look at a film. Like, like. I think my brain is kind of trying to process how can I appreciate this or how, how do I take this in? So that was one of those things that like, I wouldn't like kind of really go back to like draw upon for like a while. So then after that I graduated high school and I went to college and uh, wanted to do music. Music's like my big passion, but then I kind of decided about not doing that. So I went into journalism for a while. So learned some like a lot of how to write and writing is one of my strengths and did a lot of like kind of like news like hard like news writing which is very different from like creative writing or other things so learned how to give the news learned how to talk about different things like you know write summations of like crime and like profiles of people and editorials and all that type of stuff and then Kind of from there, you know, it's like I took video production classes because journalists nowadays tend to be cross-trained and everything. So, um, you know, like how to film and shoot B-roll and like how to put together like, you know, visually a scene, stuff like that. And that's probably one of the classes I enjoyed the most. Um, I really didn't enjoy a lot of my time in the journalism department. And we'll talk about this at the tail end, but just a lot of like the criticism and how things are reported and stuff like that. It just, I just kind of got really burned out of it. So I ended up switching and I was just like, I just want to be done with college because I just don't feel like this is the trajectory I want to go. So I switched over to English because a lot of my credits transferred and I wasn't one of those people who like, I loved English in high school. I was actually the kid that was like, can we just please not read this? Or like, you know, it's like we're doing round reading of like Othello mm -hmm. or Macbeth and it's like it comes to me. It's like, hey, Corey, it's like your line. I'm like, I don't even know what page we're on. <laughs> I was that kid. So it's kind of <laughs> hilarious that I ended up studying English. But I switched into English and it was just kind of like a switch got flipped or something. And I just being able to see all this like creative art, this creative like stuff that people had put together, that they had written, that they that they put their like heart and soul into creating, whether it be to tell a message or to depict like some theme or something like that. It just was really intriguing to me. Like I really got into poetry, um, read lots of like the classics and literature and stuff. And you know, I love, I'm a musician and I love to write songs and stuff. So a lot of the, the love of poetry kind of bled into that. And I think honestly, like, being an English major and finishing that and like graduating, something that is probably really crucial for me today is it was the field that taught me how to critically think in terms of like when I look at something like in an aesthetic light. And so there was a lot of literary criticism that I hated taking. <laughs> 
Um, I got burnt out real fast on that, but I just had to take it. And as you move up through the degree, you just have to do it. And so my brain got forced to learn how to think critically in these different ways and these different capacities that I wouldn't naturally tend to do. And even like now, now, like fast forward, here we are, I feel like I owe a lot of my criticism kind of like back, backbone and structuring to a lot of those classes I took. There's not, it's not like a one-to-one -one correlation because literature and poetry and film, those are different things, but there is a lot of like common stuff shared between them. And so how to look critically at them, I feel like a lot of that comes from those criticism courses that I ended up taking. So fast forward, graduate, um, I moved out here because my wife and I dated long distance and I got, and then we got married. And so just started like, you know, working, working, uh, worked at the library for a while, <laughs> um, worked, taught music lessons for a while, uh, worked at a church for a while. I had a lot of different jobs. And right. so throughout that time, I think you and I had met on and off kind of like, oh, MJ. And like, Hannah's like, yeah, I think you guys would get along together really well. And so we would hang out. I'm like, oh, you like video games? I like video games too. It's like, oh, you like comic books and movies and stuff? I do too. Yeah. And so it's just kind of like our relationship kind of like started to grow. And that was kind of cool. And then like you were talking about like, I'm going to do this podcast. And I was like, oh, that, that sounds interesting. And I really hadn't had any history. Like I knew what podcasts were, but I didn't really like listen to them. And I feel like maybe some of that is because like the big heyday for a lot of podcasts and like kind of stuff, even with like Nerdist and other like kind of gaming or anything kind of like comic book nerd related stuff. There was a big boom of that, like, mm -hmm. and it happened while I was in college. So I was so focused on, I just have to get through this. I'm involved in these other things. I have like leadership responsibilities. I'm trying to finish school that I feel like I kind of like detached a lot from popular culture. So I knew very peripherally like what was going on. Like when I talk about video games and stuff, I feel like I missed a lot of like the seventh generation of video yeah, games yeah. because I just, I was so much trying to just like finish college. And I'm mm -hmm. like, Ugh. so anyway, all that to say, it's like there was that big boom of stuff. And so it's like, I knew what podcasts were and I knew stuff like what Nerdist and like Escapist and stuff like it very peripherally, never had spent time with it. And so being married and like having more of like a normal schedule of jobs and stuff, it gave me more time to get into that stuff. So even when I worked at the library, there was a lot of shelving of books and doing mm -hmm. stuff by yourself in silence. And so it's like, I would listen to podcasts or I would listen to those types of shows and stuff like on YouTube. And it's like, wow, this, things have like really changed. And there's a whole network of that type of stuff. So all that to say, like, when you started your podcast, I was like, oh, that's really sweet. And I started to listen to it, and I was like, oh, that's awesome. And then I was like, other podcasts have music. I would love to, like, MJ should have music on his. So then that's when I was like, hey, you want me to do some music for your show? Yeah. And this kind of that. And then, like, I was a guest a couple times. And then, like, fast forward, here we are, like, oh, yeah, co-host on the podcast with you. Yeah. So. <clears throat> so as... Like, kind of this weird roundabout way into podcasting, you know. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, when I started the show, I had a very clear 
direction of like i want to start a podcast and be a podcaster yeah and yours was a little more indirect yes it was i feel like it was it's kind of cool how a lot of the stuff from my past has like made me it's like oh yeah like it works very well for like a podcast like i have some like knowledge of like kind of broadcast and how to like write different types of like you know different styles of writing and Mm -hmm. I have an appreciation for how to look at things like with a critical aesthetic eye so it's like yeah it's all this really weird indirect stuff that's just is like oh yeah like podcasting would be a good fit yeah yeah (laughs) so as uh, you know as as uh, having had a less direct route into it than like I did do you like it I do like it I like it a lot yeah I look forward to podcasting every week yep yeah, and it's a thing we've done consistently every week for, like, almost six months now, yeah, like we talked about, and yeah, it is definitely a highlight of my week. Um, Mine too. You know, if you, I feel like you hear a lot of the podcast hosts say this, but, like, start a podcast, man. Like, yeah. it's, it's a lot of fun. We have a small <laughs> fan base right now. Yeah, but, but we love you guys. We do love you guys, and you know, it's just... It's a good way to kind of get your thoughts out there. I think yeah. it's, it's helped me communicate better. Mm-hmm. I think me I'm too. I think I'm better with words than I have ever been in my entire life. Yeah. And uh, you know, I've started kind of doing written reviews here and there. Again, and I think that they've helped me structure it. I think the show has helped me learn how to look at movies better and i think it continually is doing that especially with the before and after show film school we started i think that's going to be it it proved to be an (laughs) invaluable learning ground for myself Mm -hmm. uh as as i pursue this sort of uh you know path of film criticism yes as a whole i just think that this is this is the perfect way into it for me mm-hmm. and I really enjoy it. Um, and I'm glad you do too. Yeah. It's uh, great. You know, it's, it really is like, it's so much fun. It's a lot of work. Yes, it is. Uh, but it's worth it. I think, you know, and your, your show doesn't have to be as structured as this one. Yeah. You know, your show can be whatever it is. Like there's <laughs> no rules on podcasting yet. Nope. You know, there's, you, if you look at movies, there are established things. You know, there yes. are certain conventions that a movie has to follow. Yep. Podcasting, it can be whatever. There are narrative <laughs> podcasts. There are um, investigative journalism podcasts that are structured more like a narrative, like mm-hmm. almost like a Dateline yeah. type of show, but as a podcast. Serial, obviously, being the mm-hmm. big one. Um there are fictional narrative podcasts. There's one called, uh, oh gosh, I'm going to butcher this title, but I think it's called The Mystery- the Mysteries of Uncle Birdie's Botanarium. Oh. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fictionalized comedy podcast with Jermaine Clement from Flight of the Comedy. Oh. <laughs> it's pretty great. But, you know, and then there's film review shows, there's interview shows, there's comedy yeah. podcasts, there's comedy podcasts that are like sketch comedy, there's comedy podcasts that are like improv comedy, there's comedy podcasts that are uh, comedians doing small stand-up sets, there's comedy podcasts that are comedians interviewing other comedians, there's even, so even in these sort of bigger genre yeah. podcasts, there are these, all these little sub-genres. Yeah, there's all these niches and just everything, like there's a podcast for so many, like, you know, like, 
even stuff is like gardening there's podcasts yes. for that or there's like you know like fencing podcasts where people talk about fe- like it's just like wow but mm-hmm. there's all these niche topics that people want to talk about and there's an audience for them and i think that's really cool it's a cool way to connect with that audience yes i agree um i think podcasting is i think there's going to be something soon that makes this break into something gigantic i think we're right on the edge of something big happening with this medium I think as shows get easier to access, um, as our cars get smarter in terms of the electronics inside of them, we'll be able to access them a lot easier. You know, a Mm -hmm. lot of our cars have the internet on them now, which is real weird, but they do. (laughs) Um, And that's a big time I listen to podcasts is in the car. Yeah. Uh, Another big time I listen to podcasts is at work. and. You know, it's it's perfect for that. It's, it's, you know, roughly an hour to an hour and a half worth of content. So, yeah. you know, you feel entertained by it. But you also feel you can listen to multiple in a day. Yeah. You know, they're usually not too daunting unless you're a Joe Rogan podcast that goes on for three hours. Yeah. Or uh, You Made It Weird by Pete Holmes that goes on <laughs> for three hours. But mostly they're within an hour to an hour yeah. and a half range. They're, they're a decent... Um, length of time to where you don't feel like they're bite-sized but you feel like you've spent time with these people yeah um i like the intimacy of it Mm -hmm. and which sounds weird because (laughs) the intimacy of it is is you know i mean there's obviously it's the two of us yes but and then there's the audience who listens and we may or may not hear from them that doesn't sound particularly intimate yeah but it really is you know there's there's certain there there's Something about someone taking your podcast and putting their earbud in that is super intimate. You know, there's something about mm-hmm. that. Like, your content is being pumped directly into their ear via a wire. Yeah. You know, whereas a lot of YouTube personalities, you you can watch them on your computer. You can watch them on your phone without yeah. your headphones in. You can watch them on your TV now. Mm-hmm. You know, podcasting mostly gets taken in by headphones. Yeah. And there's something about just, like, having it so close to your head mm-hmm. that really, like, connects you yeah. to the hosts. Yeah. Um. Nerdist is is probably the podcast I've listened to the longest, mm-hmm. and I feel as dumb as this sounds, I feel like I know Chris Hardwick. Like I feel like that guy's a friend of mine, <laughs> even though I've never met him. I've interacted with him one time, yeah, at at a, a comedy special taping, and you know, but I feel like I know his life. I feel like he's he's a friend of mine, you know. Yeah. Um, I hope we feel like friends to you. I hope you're not like, yeah. oh, Corey's that just annoying guy who hates Age of Ultron. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and, and so there's something about that that I like, you know. It, it lets you and it, it lets you connect with people mm-hmm. in situations where you may not be connecting with people. A lot of my work is done by myself. Yeah. I sit in silence a lot of my day, mm-hmm. but I never feel uh, disconnected or... Yeah. Or, you know, I never feel unengaged because I have podcasts. And I know that sounds like kind of like a lonely guy thing to be saying, (laughs) but that's not how I mean it. I just mean like I have this like stable of almost work buddies that I have, you know, I have my Doug Benson's and my Chris Hardwick's and my sometimes Mark Marin's when he's not getting too whiny, you know, um, (laughs) I have the, 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 the Canon podcast and 
Matt Gourley and, and all those like that stable of people. And I feel comfortable with them. I feel, you know, I feel like those are people I would hang out with. Yeah. And that's the other cool thing is like, it lets you discover these people that you would hang out with. And yeah. we tend to not ascribe that to like personalities, yeah. you know, people who are in the public eye, not <laughs> that we're necessarily yeah. in the public eye, but you know, you tend to think of them more as personality and, and the act of listening to their podcast humanizes them yeah. it's a really humanizing experience yeah um and i really like that i do too yeah totally on board yep so as we wrap this up yes um, this has actually been a really good conversation i like where this is going yeah i'm glad i'm glad we've been able to have this and like this fits into the whole theme of like you just with a podcast you just get to spend more time with people you just get mm-hmm. to it's it's more intimate in that way of like you know, you watch a YouTube video, you know, like the target that they shoot for, 7 to 10 to 12 minutes. And it's like, oh, okay. But, like, in a podcast, you just really get to sit and, like, you know, hear the people and, like, hear about their lives more. And so, yeah, so I'm glad we got to do this episode. Just open up yes. a little bit more about us. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. So, as... To wind this down... um, I want to talk about mm-hmm. film criticism and you know this is a film criticism podcast at its heart and why it's important to have that i know you come from more of a literary criticism background mm-hmm. which is also important but you know film criticism in the last couple of weeks has really taken <laughs> some abuse online yes. uh given that critics are not wild about batman v superman and so a lot of people are calling for like well, this is the end of film criticism. I don't think that's true. But, you know, this is this just proves that critics are outdated. It proves that they... A lot of people think that they're paid off by Marvel to, like, say (laughs) disparaging things about DC movies, which is the (laughs) ultimate form of denial. Yeah. Um, But, you know, there's... And I've gotten crap about this, too, of, like, there's this this horrible misreading of uh, film critics, which is... Why do you even talk about this stuff if you hate it so much? You hate everything you see. And <laughs> which does like I've had that I've had that told to me by former guests of this podcast who were on for movies I've loved. Oh. <laughs> yep. So I, you know, with that um why is film criticism important? Like why is this what we do? just shooting from the hip. I think it's important because the reason that people perceive this is like, why do you hate everything? Or why do you nitpick all these things? It's because deep down, it's like we have a deep love and appreciation for film and we want to see good films be made. And film criticism is this way where we can comment and we can give feedback to the directors, to the actors, to those people. So like in who put together these movies. So that way they can know like, how can we improve? Or they can hear back about like, Oh, those things worked. And that really like helped to elevate the film. Like whether it be like a structural thing or a character thing or a screenplay thing or a director thing, like all those sorts of things. And Film criticism isn't this, like, perpetual thing where we just want to tear everybody down. It's like, oh, that movie sucked, that movie sucked, that movie sucked. It's because we love film, and we love movies, and we love the experience of watching a good movie. And just 
you know, being able to appreciate all the things, all the work that went into that film. And we love that so much that we want other films to rise to that occasion. Mm. And when, you know, like when the, <laughs> the criticism is expressed, it's not because we hate those movies. It's because it's like we have this deep love of movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. Um, one of the big things I got a lot of crap for this last year was not liking Star Wars enough. Uh, mm-hmm. When I first saw Star Wars, I didn't hate it. Uh, I didn't love it. I yeah. liked it. I thought it was okay. I thought it was an okay movie. <laughs> people, I didn't sit right with people. Um, people really, really, really did not like that it was okay. I got called a hipster. I, um, yeah, I got a lot of like real harsh stuff said my way, especially since a few days later I saw Creed and then put that, uh, Creed was the best movie of 2015, which it was Yeah, on my Facebook and people got even more pissed at that because it, it, it was just on the heels of <laughs> me saying that, that Star Wars was just okay. Yeah. And then here comes like the Rocky movie and being like, this is the best movie that came out this year. And just like really get out of here. Yeah. People were so mad. And I think that they, it was a fundamental misreading of, uh, why this exists. Yeah. It, it's, not like i didn't go into star wars being like oh this is just gonna be okay like i'm i'm gonna not feel about it yeah (laughs) do you know how much we recorded about star wars we recorded so much yes we did content about star wars go back and listen (laughs) the most intense podcasting of this entire series yeah was based around star wars if i really hated star wars I would not put that much effort into yep. putting out two hours of content just about the first two trilogies yep. and an additional two hours of content just about the one new movie. Yep. There were four hours of content about seven <laughs> movies in three weeks? Two weeks. Yeah. Three weeks. In three weeks. It was Awful. We had a Star Wars hangover. <laughs> yeah, so much I did. Star Wars. Gosh, I really was over talking about Star Wars. Yeah, me that, too. I, man, I did not want to talk about Star <laughs> Wars again after we did those episodes. Yeah. But that, you know, I didn't do that because I was out to get Star Wars. I yeah. did that because I was out to love Star Wars. Yes. And I didn't love it. And that's fine. I can also like it. There yeah. are degrees of, uh, there, there, there are things that are in between love and hate. Yes. There are degrees of liking something. Yep. You know, it's the big problem with Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes is great. I love Rotten Tomatoes. I think it's a very good resource. Mm-hmm. However, if you look at a movie like uh, Zootopia. Yeah. Zootopia is at 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. I liked Zootopia. I yeah. like Zootopia quite a bit. Yeah. Um, the thing is... Every time you say, I like Zootopia, I like Zootopia, that registers another positive review. Yeah. Even if I go, Zootopia is pretty well made, but it's okay. It's like thematically muddled. Yeah. If, even if I say it's okay, that's mostly positive still. Yeah. You know, okay is closer to good than bad. Yeah. And, you know, so that's another positive point. So when you look at Zootopia and you see it has 99%, you're like, man, this must be great. And like, there are a lot of people who think it's great. I think it's, I think it's good. I don't yeah. think it's great. But every time you get something from okay all the way up to great, it registers as a positive review mm-hmm. on Rotten Tomatoes. So you, when you look at that 99%, that 99% means 
99% of people thought it was somewhere between okay and great. great. Yeah. And there's a big problem where <laughs> we look at that 99% and we don't go, oh, 99% of the people think that this is somewhere between okay and great. We just go, 99% of people think this movie's incredible. Yes. <laughs> That's not the case. It's a fundamental misunderstanding. Yes. And so because I said that Star Wars was frustratingly okay, that was another thing that got people. As I said, it was frustratingly yeah. okay. I was frustrated with the movie because it was just okay. I wanted it to be so much more than okay. Okay still means yes. it's a well-made movie. Okay still means that I liked the characters and I liked their interaction. Mm -hmm. Okay also means that it's poorly paced. It's way yep. too fast. Yes. Uh, it's The plot moves at such a breakneck speed. Mm -hmm. Okay means that there are so many recycled elements from the original trilogy yeah. that it's really bothersome to me. Yes. Um, you know, that's what okay means to me. And that's what okay should mean. Mm -hmm. So film criticism is important because... We need to be able to understand we can't always be operating at extremes. It's dangerous yeah. to do that. We're watching that happen in our country right yes. now. I was going to say, look back at history. That look back at now. <laughs> Political podcast. But yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, but we're watching no. that not only happen just in our country, and I'm not saying just with Trump. I'm talking about with Bernie as well. Yeah, like, I know. Bernie is just as extreme as Trump, but yep. on a different side. And... You know, also religious extremism. Yep. Like, that's a big problem right now. Yeah, You is. know? Uh, um, it's, so th this is what we get when we operate at extremes all yes. the time. And and uh, criticism, you know, like... Uh, look. <laughs> Film criticism does not belong in the political process or the conversations we need to be having about how to handle an extremist group of terrorists yes uh who ascribe to a certain religion um but what the principles of that do is they let us know that there are degrees of things yes. and that's what's important we need to understand that there are degrees of things you know mm -hmm. if we have someone who's super far left liberal or someone who's super far right conservative they're equally dangerous positions to be having yeah um you know if if we have someone who's an Islamic extremist that's clearly dangerous like there have been so many terrorist yeah. attacks based around um, that however you know there is also extreme anti-Muslim uh, people who are not helping at all yes. on that conversation who are attacking um, people who are wearing turbans which that's not even Muslim yeah that's not that's not a Muslim thing you know uh, extremism is blinding and mm -hmm. and to constantly be operating at those extremes is not okay it's and not so, healthy for any industry yes so our little drop in the bucket part for film criticism is to sort of is not to combat extremism <laughs> that's not what i'm talking that's about. that's what we're here to do <laughs> no uh, that is absolutely not what we're here to do that's what i'm doing after this show <laughs> it's to get you to think critically yes right film criticism is to get you to think about what you're taking in mm -hmm. and if you can do that with something as um let's face it innocuous as films and you can really meditate and chew on those things. You'll be able to apply that to other situations in life. The yes. ones that matter, like who we're going to vote for for president. Yes. Or how we're going to deal with our faith. Yes. You know, um, you know, and, and not just Islamic extremists. Like we've seen Christian extremists who have attacked abortion clinics yeah. in this year. 
uh you know and and uh, so you know there's extremism everywhere. everywhere yes everywhere and it's the 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 result of that is never good nope so that's uh, you know that's why i find film criticism important and I understand that that you know like i said there are much more important things happening in our world yeah um but i think when we start to think critically and if we can do it with something as universal as film it's going to just better us yeah you know it's going to help us communicate better it's going to help us understand where someone else is coming from when they say that something is okay yeah or when they say that you know uh when they call out the extremism, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to help us communicate better as, as people. Yeah. That's the point of criticism. Mm-hmm. That's why we do this. Yes. Uh, that's, uh, that's why I've gotten into it. You know, I, they say, do what you know, and this is what I know. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, mom and dad, uh, that this is what I know because it's probably going to go nowhere and certainly not make me rich, but, <laughs> um, I'm I'm happy to do it. I'm good at it. I think, <laughs> and yes, and you know, if if I can get someone to take the principles that they hear on this podcast every week and apply that to something that matters, apply that to where they're going to go to college, apply yeah. that to the career path they're going to take. It take if you know if they're presented with two opportunities that that look equally enticing they'll be able to take those um those those that skill set that they learn from listening to us and weigh their options look at their pros and cons mm-hmm. of this college or this job or this presidential candidate yeah. you know i think it can really affect you subtly in profound ways yes and that's why i like doing this yeah i i totally agree it definitely is very important in helping us to think critically. Everything is not black and white. Mm-hmm. There are degrees of things. And, you know, like, film, it, it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, if you can apply that to how we look at films, how we watch our films, we, we won't be blindsided by, like, oh, I either love it or I hate it. Mm-hmm. That's something that's definitely applicable to other situations in life. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, to kind of kick the, the Batman v Superman horse again... <laughs> It's dead. <laughs> yeah, it is. Wow, that seventy-eight percent drop off from Friday to Friday. Gosh, Disney should have opened Jungle Book uh, this last Friday because it yeah. would have murdered Batman v Superman. I bet they're kicking themselves for that. Probably. Um, they put it out two weeks later, three weeks later, so that it would win those three weekends and kind of get all its grossing done. Yeah. But apparently, it got all its grossing done in week one. Yep. So <laughs> yeah. Um, but with that, you know, there have been a lot of uh, really negative reviews for Batman v Superman. And there's this sort of two extremes being represented between the fanboys and the film critics. And yes. the film critics are this very negative extreme and the, the fans are this very um, positive extreme. And they're both wrong, like we were just talking yeah. about. The uh, the fanboys are hitting at the film critics, forcing them into this sort of extreme negativity about this movie that's not that bad. Yeah. But then the film critics are being just as snarky back to the fanboys, which are forcing them into this, like, blind love for this movie that's not, not that, that good. good. <laughs> yeah. And and so, you know, right there in just this, we see the, the extremism. And, and I think... Um, 
in the episode last week, yeah, we all thought it was just varying degrees of mediocre. Yep. You know? I, we I could th- all see. We could all see that. Like, we can see whether we enjoyed it or we hated it. It wasn't the best or the worst thing ever. Right. Right. And I think you probably landed the most negative on it. Yeah. But I feel like it was still maybe better than you were expecting because when you were headed into this, you were expecting just... <laughs> pure rage yes. from it. And when we, I don't know if you had just cooled down or what, but when we talked about it last, like, yeah. after we had seen it, you were like, eh, it was, it wasn't good. Like, I still didn't like yeah. it, but I also am not outraged by yeah, it. Yeah, it's not like the worst thing ever. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and even Ryan, who had saw it twice, even though he hated it more than either one of us the first yeah. time we saw it. <laughs> Uh, you know, he saw it twice and he came around to like, I like this actually, but it's just that there are some faults with it. And I landed on like, I think it's mediocre. I think that the things it does well, it does really well. The things it does bad, it's really weak, Mm -hmm. really, really weak, but it's not a disaster. Yeah. And that's where the three of us landed is it's not a disaster. It's also not a masterpiece. We all landed in some degree of even that. So we we landed in some sort of sub degree of the normal degrees of, of, okay. And, you know, I think that's the, that's, that's not where we need to land with every movie, but it's it's important that we land there with um that we landed there with Batman v Superman in the midst of all this negative extremism yeah. and positive extremism. So you know, film criticism can change the world. It's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know if you have anything else to add. No, that, that was great. I have one follow up that mm-hmm. ties to film criticism, and we we talked about you know it's like. Our love, we want to see thing. we want to see film, the thing that we love, you know, we want to see good movies, we want to, we participate in film criticism to help us think critically, you know, not just about film, but about other things. But my third question I would pose to you, it's like, sh- should and why, um, I guess should, let me reword that, why should films be held to a certain standard? Like, why do we have, you know, we've kind of talked about in and around Mm. and film criticism, but why, MJ? Why, why do we want films held to a higher standard than maybe a Batman v Superman? Why do we want, like, a Shawshank Redemption rather than a Batman v Superman? Um, you can just get more out of it, you know? Um, Batman v Superman is a movie that I ultimately said I liked. Yeah. And I did, but I didn't love it. And that's because I feel like I got everything I needed out of it. Yeah. You know, it's it's a movie I, I can see myself revisiting, maybe intentionally. Maybe <laughs> just like I go to a friend's house and they're like, movie night, we're going to watch Batman v Superman. Yeah. Uh, although I don't think too many of those are going to be happening because everyone seems to be hating this movie. <laughs> uh, but I, I think, but when I do see it again, if I do see it again, it's going to be pure entertainment. And that's fine. There's a place for that. Yeah. But there's also something to be said about movies you can chew on yeah and you you know and and you know i could go to any number of pretentious indie films to talk about that (laughs) but i'm gonna go to captain america the winter soldier yeah um because we love marvel and we hate dc (laughs) (laughs) we're just corporate (laughs) chills 
But, you know, it's a big popcorn blockbuster action movie. Yeah. uh, That had a very political message. It was was about, you know, drones. Yeah. It was about drones and the NSA and spying and the government spying on its citizens and whether that's right and, Mm -hmm. like, what the, what, like, where that blurred morality lies. Yeah. That's what's going on in that movie about a guy from the 40s who gets frozen until now (laughs) and thought out. Yes. Uh, like, that's insane to me. Um, you know, the Fast and Furious movies, mm-hmm. uh, they get written off a lot and they don't, they shouldn't be because not only are they great action movies, yeah. like, the majority of them are sweet action yeah. movies. There's a lot of like really good family themes in there Mm -hmm. and they don't you know it's it's a it's just a tight-knit group of friends who considers themselves a family they call themselves family you know Mm -hmm. and why i think that's important is because we are in a society where living situations when you're growing up are any number of things yeah you know there's not a consistent nuclear family necessarily as much anymore Mm-hmm. And so imagine being a kid who's a child of divorce, yeah. who, you know, has stepbrothers and stepsisters who they're not close to, or, you know, the stepmother or stepfather is is pushing this divide between biological kids and stepkids, yeah. you know, um, you know, these really toxic living situations. If you go see a Fast and Furious and you see... This group of people who look nothing alike. Yeah. Who come from so many different backgrounds. Who You know, there's it's it's basically a career criminal and a former FBI agent who's been disavowed. <laughs> you know, you see these people from all these walks of lives, all these different cultures coming together, just becoming a close-knit group of friends yeah. to the point where they call themselves a family. Like, you realize that, like you can find a family anywhere. And like, could you imagine the hope that would give that kid who saw that? Gosh, like I, I'm blessed to have not had to deal with that. Like my parents are still together, but I know so many people who are children of divorce and like not healthy. Uh, most of the time, um, things followed after. And so something like that can like, that can change a kid's life, you know? Yeah, um, that could change an adult's life who maybe never realized that because it's it is a simplified yeah. story um, of that and is a simplified viewing or reading of that theme of family. But it's it's there. Yeah, and it's front and center. I mean, even that made me think of how much you talk about Creed and stuff like mm. that very much seems to have this message of legacy, you yes. know, that just adds to like more of what you get out of the film rather than maybe just like a. You know, like maybe like a mindless sport type action film. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and not to divert the the conversation too much. Like we listened to Hamilton like twice on the way uh, (laughs) to and from Arizona. But he has this he has this uh, monologue at the end when spoilers, he dies because history spoilers for history. Uh, Spoilers for history. Alexander (laughs) Hamilton dies in a duel with Aaron Burr. But as he's dying, he's reflecting on his legacy and he has this great line where he goes, legacy, what's a legacy? It's seeds planted in a garden that you'll never see. And it's just like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> Mic drop. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and so that's like, that's a thing. Uh, that's a theme that I've been like exploring a lot lately. Like yeah. stuff with that theme has really drawn me to it. And I don't know why I still don't know why. <laughs> um, but you know, there, th- that theme or those themes that kind of occur in your life, they, they can help you process the world around you. Yeah. And that's why we should hold films to a higher standard. Mm -hmm. Um, Because... As an art form, it has that ability to convey things in a way that I would make the argument that other things can't. Or even other art forms can't convey it in a specific way. Like, music can convey things in a certain way. And, you know, like, novels... Or, you know, poetry or whatever. They can they all can convey things, but film can convey things in a different way than all of those. And that's why I think we should hold it to a higher standard. Yes, I agree. And I also think that, you know, one of the things I talk about is if you go out to a movie theater, even if you're by yourself, it's a communal experience. Mm-hmm. so if you're uh i mean i never feel lonely when i'm in a movie theater uh but if you're ever feeling down and you're feeling lonely go to the movies by yourself i know that sounds antithetical <laughs> i know that doesn't sound like anything you want to do when you're feeling extremely lonely but you're never alone when you're at the movies you know you're going through the this series of events for mm-hmm. this uh predetermined amount of time with at least one other person usually yeah uh you know if you're particularly unlucky you might have a theater to yourself <laughs> and you'll just be like well all right but Try again. <laughs> yeah you know um usually there's at least one or two other people in the theater yeah. and you go on that journey journey with them mm-hmm. you know um i love going to the movies by myself uh it's not something i do very much anymore because i also love going to the movies with my wife yeah and um and, and we go to the movies a lot, obviously, to watch movies for the show. But when I was single, I used to go to the movies by myself all the time. Mm-hmm. When I was on uh, Christmas break, that's when all the Oscar movies came out. Yeah. And I would just go, I would go see all of them by myself <laughs> over like three days. I would go to seven movies in like three or four days. Wow. Yeah. And just like take them all in. Yeah. And sometimes people would join me. Sometimes they wouldn't. I'd be driving across town to get to different theaters to make different show times. Like I love doing <laughs> doing that yeah um and that's just because i never like you know one time i went to go see the movie frost nixon and i went by myself and then i went to a hamburger place right next to the theater i was at and um the waitress paid a lot of attention to me and not in like a flirtatious way where i thought that she was trying to like Hey, give me your number or whatever. Yeah. I think she thought I was lonely because I walked out of a movie theater by myself and then into a restaurant and asked for a table for one and, <laughs> and sat down. And, and so the waitress, and then I sat outside where there was no one else on the patio. Oh. And I think this waitress like felt bad for me. And she was like, I'm going to go talk to this lonely guy. Like maybe I'll make his day a little bit brighter. And like, she was perfectly nice. Yeah. yeah. She was fine. <laughs> um, but I was just not feeling lonely at all all like that was the furthest thing i was feeling (laughs) from so it was it was just hilarious so you know i think they have that transformative power to sort of draw you in and help you experience something with people that you were completely disconnected with before you walked into that theater yeah and i love that that's my favorite thing about uh the film watching and film going experience yeah you know and you can get that at home now via the internet you know you can go Watch a movie and then seek out other people who have seen that movie and see what they're talking about in regards to that movie. Or, like, join the conversation. I Mm -hmm. think that's so cool. And just, 
that that communal experience of like experiencing those themes or like how films have this way of tackling certain themes that like other mediums can't being able to share that have that conversation the actual conversation not just like yelling at each other in the comments or right, being right. like super polarizing whatever but being able to have those conversations talk about those themes i think that's a really awesome thing about film yeah yep i agree yeah all right, are we good? I think we are. I feel like this went a lot longer than we thought. We were like, oh, this will be like kind of a short episode. Yes, I agree. <laughs> um, as always, you can find me on Twitter at MJSmith891. And you can find me on Twitter at CatInTheHat49. Uh, you can follow the show at Before and After Pod. That's at Before, the letter N, After Pod. Yep. Um, check us out on SoundCloud. Follow us on iTunes. Leave us a review. Tell us what you think. Uh, we want to know what you hear, it, what you think about it. It helps us get up on the charts. Mm -hmm. uh, what else? Uh, Facebook. Yep. You can find us on Facebook, like our Facebook page. You can email the show, show at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. And until next week, go watch a movie. Yeah. Makana-san. Makana-san. <laughs> <laughs>